Hello and welcome everyone to the Catholicism for the Modern World podcast. I'm your host, Michael Snellen. Today we have on uh, Matthew Johnson, also known as Catholics on Record. And so um, today we're going to talk about his conversion story and then uh, we'll take an, a brief intermission and we'll continue with evangelization in the modern world or in the digital world, also in the modern world, I guess. <laughs> uh yeah so we'll just start out um i'll ask you uh for the viewers uh were you raised a catholic yes i was um received all the sacraments baptism first confession eucharist confirmation yeah received all the sacraments of initiation so was your uh family very catholic or my well so in a circle in the circle of my parents and my you know family you would see on like every holiday you know we were mostly catholic you know numbers have gone down a little bit but yeah um my mom's catholic my dad's not and let's see some other people are catholic it's just it's a small group in in the grand scheme of the family it's we're, we're like a small blip we're a very small blip of catholic believers so mm-hmm. Yeah, and that number's got smaller a little bit because people have died, people have left. You know, it's one of those things you, you every family goes through. Yeah. So um, when do you think your faith started to fall off a bit, like around the high school years? or? Yeah, later? yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was around high school. You know, I had the sacramental preparation, you know, from August 26, 1990 to, like, when I got to high school, the whole sacrament of initiation time where you go, for, for at least for the Latin uh, rite Catholic, you know, you, we have our Eastern brother and brethren that receive all the sacraments at once. For me, it was yeah. baptism, then a few years, Eucharist, then a few years, well, baptism, then confirmation, sorry, baptism, then a few years, first confession of first Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Fast forward a few years to like 15, 16, well, 15, 14, 15, confirmation to the, through a priest. And then, yeah. um, couple months down a year down the road follow fall away and so yeah those those years before that and then the years after that or so the whole time i went to church but in that like second half where i fell away i still went to church but i just was like yeah what is this i don't care and that's how i felt so what way. age would you say that second half starts 15 uh, 16 to like 23 it was a 50 to 16 to 23 range and you're still going to church every Sunday. Mass every or... Sunday, every day of holiday obligation. Mm-hmm. Um, just the bare minimum. You know, I didn't go to confession. Did I go to confession at all? No, I really didn't go to confession much at all. If I, I don't think I did at all because that was just my my choice at the time. You know, I'm old yeah. enough to make those decisions. I just didn't. So, uh, so what did you, what did your prayer life look like during that time? Did you have much of a routine, um, like morning prayers, night prayers? Uh... It was kind of like it was bare bones minimum. Like if I needed something, I might, might have asked, but mm-hmm. it really wasn't. I didn't have much of a prayer life at all, honestly. Were you praying to the saints during that time? Just no, like, it was strictly just God help me with this. Please don't let me get hurt. It was not, it was not negligent. The only prayer I did was like I was at mass and stuff, and that's pretty much it. Well, that, that that time anyway. Um. So do you think you were like? actively participating in the mass um mm-hmm. not during you know. that time um maybe before i 
I would say leverted, like leaving version out, like levert, before I was a levert at that time. Um, and um, I did participate a little. I, I was an altar server when I was a kid, and I still do a little altar serving rarely, once in a blue moon. Yeah. But I think that altar serving really stuck with me throughout, like you planted the seeds for later. Mm-hmm. And the priest that I had who wanted me to altar serve every Friday during Lent, um, yeah, he he kept he made me altar serve. There was no if hands or buts. It was like you altar serve today. And so that yeah. kept me that kept me going. And I did I did a little altar serving now. I think about it. I did a little altar serving, but I just was I would like hold the, the cross when we we're doing the Friday Lent. I was like scrape my nail into the wood, just like out of boredom, you know, just like Yeah. And yeah, it wasn't it wasn't much of anything for me like as far as prayer life, but I was just there. I kind of like there mm-hmm. on the external, but on the internal, I was like really fighting some dark battles. Um, so I'll ask you, what were those dark battles? First, it was like after reading the the, um, the Da Vinci Code and then falling into the heresy of like, oh, the church has secrets. Christ is not God, you know, that heresy, which is like Gnosticism and Arianism, partly. Um it was like that battle, you know. There's the atheism battle that came on a little bit later. Yeah, the I didn't believe in God at all. Like uh, Richard Dawkins and it was really pretty. It was it was I would call it a respectful atheism. I wasn't really rude about anything, and funny enough, I was not rude about um, Mama Mary. You know, I didn't have anything oh, bad okay. to say about her. That's that's really surprising. I would think for anybody who hears somebody's atheist, they had nothing. I had nothing bad to say about Mama Mary. It was like people respect respect her i respect her too you know and as you know and i'm sure the viewers know that catholics are big about asking mary for intercession you know or that's a big thing mm-hmm. that people accuse oh you worship mary and i was like i defended i was like no we they don't worship mary i said they i didn't say we i said we like they don't worship mary i didn't include myself in that group of like having a devotion to mary or whatever i just i would defend um like mary from attacks you know so i did have some respect but it was not like i cared well um like the bible says her soul magnifies the lord so like Mm -hmm. through mary you can see jesus closer so yeah for the outside viewers like um, that's how we see mary it's kind of like a magnifying glass yeah i'm meditating on mary's um mary being beside the cross uh or being at the cross at the crucifixion, she um, knew Jesus at the um, most potent uh, moment of this crucifixion, like in, the, in his human weakness, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mary also being like the greatest creature ever created, the greatest uh, human ever created. Yeah. That's what I tell people now. I'm like, they're like, oh, you worship Mary. I'm like, we don't have, ain't nobody got time for that. We don't have time. We're worshiping God. That's what Catholics do. We don't have time to worship creatures we we give honor where honors do you know if somebody did a good thing you think about it if somebody did a good thing in a, an award ceremony they're going to get like a praise and admiration well mary did the greatest feat any human creature could do she mm-hmm. gave birth to god the word you know and that's um that's something most protestants wouldn't recognize like how the incarnation changed everything like um, yeah even going like back to the icons like that God became man. He became an image. So therefore, Jesus could be replicated in icons. Like, 
yeah. uh, can be seen in the icon. And uh, yeah. yeah, so I guess we can transition into like the um, kind of like the conspiracy theory stuff, I guess. Like, oh yeah, like good old conspiracy theories. Uh, I don't want to get off topic, but what's uh, the craziest conspiracy theory you ever heard? Oh man, is it with the Da Vinci Code too? Jesus was married. Yeah, uh, the could... last temptation. That's um, they made an entire movie about that. Like, oh yeah, his name. Uh, it was a Martin Scorsese movie, but yeah, but that whole like Jesus being married to Mary Magdalene, I was like, mm -hmm. even as like a believer in that, I'm like this. I had a hard time getting behind that myself. I was like, wait, if I don't personally believe that at that time that Jesus is God, but if he's even a creature. And he's a prophet, and he like he's supposed to live a holy life. You know, he would be called to something above marriage, so that don't make any sense. Yeah. What saying. So that's kind of like what the seeds of doubt and my belief system came into play. It's like, well, yeah, no. So, yeah, yeah, and um, I guess not to get sidetracked even more, but um, so yesterday somebody asked me, um, what damage does it do, or um, how does it lessen the significance of the virgin birth? If Mary had more children after Jesus, yeah, it's a bit of a hard question to drop on you. So, how does the um, virgin birth, if it wasn't true, lessen? Like, if she had more children, how does that less? Well, if it was found to be that, it would kind of contradict that would think. But I mean, even so, it's just like if you read the legends of uh, how jesus was born jesus wasn't born like in a natural way through yeah. the birth canal it's like he was born in a, a ball of light not a ball of light, but a big light came forth from that area from like her earth kind of the because that was yeah. the curse um given to woman like given to eve specifically, yeah um, pain and yeah. childbirth and so mary um not having sin being mm -hmm. born from the immaculate conception she yeah. didn't have the consequence of sin. Yeah. For her, it would have been childbirth pain. So, yeah, that's um, the ascension of Isaiah, I think, from the years, um, at the latest, the year 70. So that could have mm -hmm. been before. There's a few other ones, too, just um, yeah. around that time. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned something that's, like, apocryphal. Um, I researched a lot during the time when I, be I believed in the Da Vinci Code to the Gospel of Thomas. Yeah, in the Gospel of Judas, I learned. I learned a lot. I read the read both of them like overnight when I, I had them printed out. I even made a scroll of the Gospel of Thomas. Mm -hmm. I made it into a, like a scroll because I thought, you know, this is like real. This should be like revered. So I had a, I had like an Im, imbued love for like ancient texts, which is really important for later, so, for like um, later work. So you think you were kind of seeking out like a secret knowledge like as the gnostics were um yeah yeah which, uh, gnostics so. never really died it's still around today you know, yeah even more so maybe than in previous times arianism too arianism as well i would call it not arianism but like neo-arianism because i think the jehovah witnesses are arian in nature because they, yeah, they don't believe, they don't believe jesus is god yeah and I think, um, or never mind, but yeah, um, going back to like, you said you were searching a, a lot during that time, like searching the inner, inner side of things. So that's, um, I would say, I would say that's a good thing. Cause if you're not searching, um, 
or it's better to be really hot or really um or really cold i guess than to be yeah. warm than to yeah. not be searching at all which a lot of people aren't searching at all nowadays yeah just the indifferentism yeah so like i want to backtrack a little bit going back to the sacramental preparation like the sacramental years um i did participate pretty like pretty um consistently in things and i think like like for example my mother's um her like teaching me about old testament stuff like letting me she gave me a, like a children's bible and then um, I read that and I learned about like the basic story of the Bible, especially the, the Old Testament prophets fascinated me. And so did like Old Testament in general, which is also important too for like what I do now is like I try and read more of the Old Testament sometimes, even though I, I, I've read the New Testament already a lot. Yeah. Um, I still read it today. The Old Testament is like kind of like that, anyway, it's a like hidden gem that's not really hidden. And we can yeah. we can learn a lot from the Old Testament too, just as much as the New Testament. And to go back to Mary, I was thinking of there's a verse in it, or there's a passage in Ezekiel, Ezekiel about um, like the walls or the gates will shut after something happens. I don't know the exact verse, verse, but that's um, yeah. that's supporting the ever virgin view that Mary never had children after Jesus. Yeah, like uh, I, I think I've heard something like that, like the. Um, yeah. After a generation, there'll be there will come somebody that like will be basically be the one to give the have a virgin birth and like give us the savior. I, I know what you're talking about. I've heard this somewhere before. Uh, maybe we so, have a viewer that can pull it up, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so yeah, yeah. I see the we were talking pre-stream about your uh, I guess scrolls or the ancient uh, text in the background yeah yeah so um this is this goes with my level present level languages this is all in german the german mm -hmm. genesis one through three and you know we know that we me and you both know some viewers know that um that genesis i believe what, what verses in genesis three that the proto-evangelium the first good news from that mm. the woman's seed will is it 316 like, i think it's 315 genesis 315 yeah I can look that up real quick. But yeah, the woman's seed 315, will... 315. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about the woman's seed. Not the man's seed, the woman's seed. So who's that woman? You know, well, <laughs> Mary. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, that like I just have a fascination with, fascination with languages and like overall I like to study. I am um, not like flexing as the kids say, but I mean, I'm, I self-taught myself a little bit of Greek and I'm not good at Hebrew, but I'm learning in Latin. So Greek and Latin, I've, I've learned a little bit about. And I and I actually, when I do commentaries now, and I write my like commentaries and like writings and stuff, I will go to the Greek of the text mm -hmm. and like extrapolate information from there that not really m many people will find. I'm trying to think of one, I, I did something on um, one of the Psalms, and I did I looked up a word and just like it didn't seem like it meant the thing that people would say. So I looked back at it. And the Greek, and it was like, ha, the Greek is pointing out this. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, doesn't, I forget what the verse is, but during the R, when the Our Fathers um, mentioned in the Bible by Jesus, um, instead of daily bread, like the old, uh, the Dewey Rames version, I think, has super substantial bread, super mm -hmm. substantial bread. So that's, um, 
do you know anything about that like what the early greek would be the greek word for super substantial um i don't off the top of my head but i do know that's a Eucharist. when he says give us this day our daily bread he's giving a eucharistic reference i know yeah. that so we're called to have daily mass daily liturgy from that you know when we pray because our father is in the liturgy so we're called to do that daily like give us this day our daily bread we're praying that the daily liturgy will happen and for us to receive that super substantial bread the bread of angels yeah. we are praying for that when we do pray to our father that we can have more that we can always have a eucharist i think uh daily mass is really an amazing thing um, yeah i try to make at least one uh, ever since my baptism really which is three months ago now mm -hmm. uh, i'll just go like wednesday uh sometimes thursday and that kind of really breaks up uh rather than waiting and waiting an entire week until next sunday you can kind of just go two or three days and then um, you get the graces of mass and then you can make it until next sunday without falling into sin and yeah well i know canon law not to get off topic again but um, i know yeah. canon law if i had known this about canon law and i had known this i might have not left but apparently canon law says you can receive twice in a day yeah you okay. can and that's really if i had known that and like i had been more faithful i would have like been happier about that because i'm like wow you get to and if i know jesus was in the eucharist at the time and i didn't doubt it also i would have been like yeah hmm. maybe there's something to this you know you get to go to church every day and do something like this every day i would have been more excited but alas i wasn't so and, uh, i'll share something from my, like just my story i guess uh, not to okay. get distracted even more just uh just a brief thing i guess yeah so it was um the first mass after my confirmation mass so it was like that weekend after a Tuesday. I couldn't make it. I was busy with school up until that Saturday. Or, yeah, I was on a Saturday. And so um, I went to Mass. Uh, so I was going up for communion. Um, it was just my um, small parish in the woods, uh, just a rural area. Um, they didn't have any altar rails or anything like that. So I just went up, and the, it was like a grandma giving out communion. And so I knew that she wouldn't be able to reach my tongue. So I was like, hit the ground on my knees so that she'd be able to put it on my tongue. But um, so, yeah, once I was leaving that mass or I guess even during that mass, I was experiencing the joy of receiving communion. just like a feeling of love, I guess. Um, yeah. Like contentment, peace. So I left that mass. I was driving, driving home, really. And I just felt like such peace that I and such. um. I guess Ignatius of Antioch said he desires the bread of life, which is love incorruptible. It's like mm -hmm. I, I was thinking of that line. I just read Ignatius. I was thinking of that. And so, like, I felt the desire to go back to mass. So I just, um, like, uh, my parish cluster, I guess, there's three churches. So they do two masses, um, two four o'clock masses at two of the churches, and then a 530 mass at another church so i just went to that 5 30 mass right afterwards and received communion again went to confession for the first time but that's a different story just uh just to do my first confession no mortal sins just um and that felt really good too to confess for the first time i guess just get rid of all that but yeah and i wish i had experienced that you know like yeah in that, in that dark time when i was like i had left the church inside 
I wish I had experienced that because I mean that might have helped. You know, there's a lot of alternate things that could have happened, but fact of the matter is, until like 23 years of age, I wasn't from 16, 15, 16 to 23. I really didn't care. And yeah. Then, um, well, I guess like during my high school years, I fell away. Uh, I was sort of distracted with everything. Um, not really sports, but I guess video games or hanging out with friends. Um, I just sort of got away from like I was raised a Baptist for the viewers who don't know, but so I was a uh, Luke lukewarm, I guess you could say, for all those years. And then I was just researching churches, uh, not to tell my conversion story, but found the Catholic Church, went through RCIA, and I actually um, I didn't like this at the time, but I think it's like a blessing in disguise now. So I was too late for, uh, to join RCIA. Um, I converted over summer I didn't start going to church regularly until about like that January and so it was too late to get baptized before Easter to get confirmed before Easter so I had to wait an entire cycle wait till the next cycle Ooh. <laughs> so that was rough at the time like I was ready to be brought into the church um, ready to receive communion and like uh, I had to wait that entire year but luckily um, they were able to uh, do RCIA in about three months or so, just from August to November. Very so good. I got lucky with that. Like I would still be waiting till Easter if I didn't find a new church that does it that in that short of a time. But I'm yeah. able to appreciate everything more, I guess, from that way. Yeah. Like I, I learned a lot during that time. Started reading like the early Christians, reading my Bible more. Um, definitely grew closer to God. I was able to eliminate like a lot of the habitual sins so by the time of my baptism i was like i guess i was pretty much content to never sin again but um, sadly that didn't happen yeah mortally sin again but pretty it's pretty hard to do very true it's something else yeah so um yeah i guess i was really lucky to be able to appreciate everything yeah just being, I wasn't baptized as a baby, so I got to remember my baptism. I could. That's that's good. Yeah, I could hear the words. Of, uh, not the word. What do you call that? Like the formula. Yeah, that's it. I could hear. I could hear the priest say, "I baptize you in the name of the yeah. Father." No, we baptize you. I was I was listening for that to make sure. Yeah, but you felt that like you know what this kind of goes off what I'm about to say next. When you received the baptism, you felt that you could feel something, mm -hmm. something like that in, inside your head or inside your heart. But like this is real. Like I feel different. Like, yeah. I get that from a lot of people that they say that. And yeah, like, I, guess, uh, I was kind of distracted with the whole thing. Like when I felt the water, I didn't feel it immediately. Like I guess I didn't feel different, but um, like I could feel like almost a scrupulosity developing, like, I guess, like trying not to sin, trying to restrain myself. I was keeping mm -hmm. a tighter watch on myself. And actually, I guess like the first thing, I, the first situation I had after that baptism was we were, we were driving home. We stopped for Chinese food and I asked for a water cup. All right. And so mm -hmm. I took that water cup to the fountain and I accidentally got a soda. Oh. And so um, just, I was thinking at the time, like, like I suddenly remembered it. I didn't willfully do that, but like I remembered it. I was like, "Oh, I probably shouldn't uh, do that. That might be like stealing or something." Like, yeah. So I guess I don't know if that's a moral sin. Like, there's enough matter there, but that would definitely maybe be venial. 
since mm-hmm. I did remember it, but I just, um, I didn't dump the drink out because I was already back at the table, but I just put it on the table and didn't drink it mm-hmm. the rest of the meal. It's kind of like a penance, I guess. But, oh, yeah. So, yeah, um, that's, but like before then, like before I was baptized, I probably would have drunk the drink. Or I probably wouldn't have, um, I don't even know if I would have noticed that I like pretty much basically stole uh, like soda, even though I asked for a water cup. Yeah. Hmm. And that, yeah, that goes back to like, you, you're talking about penance. You know, I didn't know anything about that. So I didn't do the Friday stuff either. And then I'm still working on this. Friday penance is hard. I mean, to just actively remember still working and trying to establish something. But, um, yeah. but yeah, like when I went to the, at 23, I went to um, Catholic campus ministry at um, a college up in the mountains. And I went to Eucharistic Congress with them. Have you ever been to Eucharistic Congress or anything like that? No. You need to go. It's like Catholic Palooza. It's amazing. I'm going to World Youth Day. It's it's, the, it's it's smaller than that, but World Youth Day is bigger. It's the big. It's like a, big, a mega yeah. Eucharistic Congress. Um, but I went there. I signed up for Midnight Adoration, and you know, going out the out of the rectory, I was in. The, it was colder. You had to walk like around the corner to the church. It's kind of like something. I felt like something was different. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I didn't. So um, there was that. Walked to the door, sat in the pew. And then I was like, I knelt down for some reason. I didn't know why. It's like, God, I, like, God, show me something. Show me you are real. I just prayed that prayer. Oh, yeah. He, he showed me he was real, all right. Because the Eucharist was exposed to the monstrance. And then you could see golden light. I saw golden light issuing from the Eucharist. Yeah. And um, like, it was like a veil split open and lifted my senses myself and i was like taken up it kind of reminds me of like the bible verse taken up in the air or whatever we're going to call it um i was taken up into like a view of heaven and i saw you know the trinity like how oh yeah it's it's how i can't describe it perfectly but uh, i saw mama mary in, in white and gold you know to the this side the side of the cross there where the trinity was and then you know, have the saints on the other side and everywhere and then i look back and there's the trinity and light and love and fire and it's just it was intense and then the veil closes and then i'm crying and i'm like i'm like i gotta change i gotta do better this is real i had like an infusion of faith yeah so yeah. it was and then next day next day i went to um the procession for the first communicants that day and um i went to confession and then the the bishop who heard my confession was a bishop that heard not a priest just a priest but a bishop mm. in the diocese previous bishop um he said bishop emeritus so the bishop emeritus said welcome back and um yeah i i went to confession confessed all my sins and yeah i've been, been doing like stuff ever since so um like how many years after uh or how many years before was like when you read the Da Vinci Code book, like was that just a few years or? So that was like funny enough. It's an actual like biblical number. It was like seven years of like <laughs> seven years. It was like from fifteen. I'm trying. To, that's what I'm trying to think. Of. Was it fifteen or sixteen? Because I knew it was like seven years from that time to twenty three. Was like seven years. So if you count back from words from twenty three, that's what it is. Yeah, no. Nah. I forgot to ask you. Like, did you have a good catechesis before you were exposed to the errors of that book? Like, oh yeah, my mom was a great catechist, and my aunt is um, 
Um, she was the DRE, Director of Religious Education. She was also my sponsor, too. So, mm -hmm. yeah, she she was, I know they were praying for me, even though they didn't. I talked to them recently, about pretty recently. They did not know any of this was going on. They actually thought I was, they actually thought when I told them that I wasn't telling them the truth, they were like, no, you didn't do that. And then they heard the podcast from um, when I told my story the first time to um, Holy Smokes. Great channel, by the way. I'll shout out to, shout out to them. Yeah, and I'll put um, that first interview in the description if anybody wants to check it out afterwards, too. Kind of get another side of things, I guess. But. Yeah, get, get really fresh and raw since it wasn't yeah. practiced as much. Um, but, yeah, like, they didn't even believe me that I was really telling the truth. They were like, no, you're, you're lying. It's impossible. And then they heard the, they confirmed the stories between the two of them, and then they realized, oh, wow, okay. So, yeah, it was just like, and then from 23 to 24, like that, the whole year at uh, Western, I changed. I thought I was changing, but I was doing bad. I, I that was like one of the darkest years of my life. After the conversion. I felt like so diabolically attacked. And I was so much diabolical attacks that were happening in, in my, around me. It was really terrible. So, uh, I kind of experienced something similar, but like afterwards I kind of felt like a, a good period of, um, just contentment and peace in general. Like, mm -hmm. Like, did you experience something like that just immediately yeah. afterwards? Just no, no, it was good. It was a good period of peace and contentment. It was like decent, and then just the year went to crap. So, um, and then I had to leave Western because like some medical issues and whatever, and grades and stuff. And then I'm trying to find my way through like back to the faith. I go to mass, you know, by myself and start going to the Wednesday night novena mass and Saturdays. And that's where the frequent confession twice a week came from. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's what I, that's how much I, I don't do any. I, I do one time a week now of confession. Yeah. Um, we were talking about that on the podcast the other day, that how much we go to confession. Remember that? But yeah, one, one time a week is what I do now, but I used to do twice a week for, and twice a week really broke through the scrupulosity that developed mm -hmm. at that time too. And I think, um, I guess I started going about every week or so, and I've kind of broken free of all that scrupulosity that I've mentioned uh, mm -hmm. just a moment ago. But I think just realizing God's mercy, like after I mortally sinned, like for that first time, and then the time after that, and the time after that, um, just you kind of, you get a better appreci or a better sense of God's mercy, and then you can appreciate it more. Like, so when you understand God's mercy, you're not going to feel like you're not going to feel the scrupulosity that you have to um, confess everything in a particular way. And if you leave out one small detail, God's going to incriminate you. And that's how a lot of people like that. Um, the scruple people, they, that's how they feel. They, like mm -hmm. they don't confess in a certain exact way. Then God's going to, um, he's going to find that. Yeah. Like, aha, I got you. Yeah. It's surprising at the end. Like shock them, like trick them, and that's just a, the whole trickery thing. Is that I find what I find still is like kind of a temptation of the devil. Like, oh, you get to the end of your life, you've done all these good things for all these people, you don't really think about it, but you just do it because you're an apostle of like suffering and love, and then bam, you're tricked. That's not going to happen. God's all merciful and just, so it's not going to happen. Yeah, no one, um, no one wants our salvation more than God, and no yeah, one. Wants more than God. So. He desires all men man to be saved, you know, all men to be saved. We just angered the Calvinist viewers. But, uh, <laughs> Not too bad. 
like it's it's funny like recently uh, i think within the past year i've been like not exploring to convert but i've been exploring for like academic reasons on writing a book about like refuting calvinism it's like for some reason this past year calvinism has become very fascinating to me in an academic standpoint mm -hmm. like i'm just it just because i know some people that are calvinists personally like a family that are a family member that's calvinist or they're influenced um, by Calvin. I think um, seventy percent of Protestants are influenced by Calvin. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very um, seductive theology too. Yeah, it's like gets you right, really, it tags you and just grabs you. That's why I see this is psychologically damaging too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like a distant God um, making God a robot, and um, I guess like the on the lower level, like the personal side of things, you. Um, you feel almost trapped to sin. Like you would say that you don't have free will. You don't have the power to overcome sin. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's like a defeatism, I guess. You're automatically defeated. Yeah. Start trying to break free from sin. Yeah. A lot of Catholics, you know, suffer from that too. Yeah. Um, like you know, they feel like they have to do this or they have to do that to earn, to earn God's love. Mm -hmm. But in fact, they don't. You know, God just does what He wills, and He does because He loves us. And you know, that's what we have to accept. That God wills what He wills because He wills it. And he yeah. loves us. And um, somebody asked a question in the comment section. Um, we'll take that, and then we'll get back onto the conversion story. Your conversion story. Sounds good. So uh, he asked uh, Sebastian Milan. He's a moderator, in my server. Shout out. He said favorite novenas um, slash litanies. Um, novenas. Let me see if I have it right here. Um, I like a lot of litanies, but I like the litany of the holy name, litany of humility, for different reasons. The holy name because I feel I feel like I should propagate the holy name, and I, I got like a story behind that. Um, that I'm allowed to talk about per my spiritual director. Um, yeah, it's um, litanies and novenas. There's a novena that I, I call it a novena, but it's like the um, the 15 print Hail Mary prayers petition for chastity. You can do that as a type of novena where you pray 15 Hail Marys for these petitions. That's a good one, that. and that's for the Angelic Warfare Confraternity. Um, the three Hail Mary novena, I just like pray three Hail Marys a day for the, on that particular one, and um, yeah, it's a very good devotion, very good novena litany. What about you? Um, so right now I'm praying the St. Michael uh, Novena, but um, oh, nice. I think the one that uh, I've had the most, um, I don't know what I would say, but um, the most effects that I've recognized is praying the St. Joseph Novena. Just, um, it was a, it was actually a 13 day, uh, like no, I, it wouldn't be a Novena because it's nine days, but I don't know what you would call that. I was praying, um, the certain set of prayers for 13 days is kind of a, I guess, just something I found on the internet. And, and uh, I prayed for a wife. Uh, that was the, it was like the promise that St. Joseph will never um, break. Like if you ask this, he'll grant it. So that's what I prayed for a wife. And, uh, I'll tell that at my future wedding someday. You should. Yeah, you should. You should definitely do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess I should, um, like, so I guess the marriage, the well, sacrament of holy matrimony is an important part of the conversion story, too, because, I mean, I'd, I had been praying for a wife for, like, 20 years, since age seven, 
that's one that I was talking about, like you were asking, do I, did I pray anything? That was one of the few prayers I prayed to God about is for a future wife. I was like, since I was like, okay, I may not believe, but you know, might as well, it doesn't hurt to ask, you know? So I was age seven when I first see my first whole communion, I felt called to marriage. And then for 20 something years, I prayed for my wife today and for like to have one. I was really wanting a wife. So how long have y'all been married? Uh, more than five years. Like five is well, going on five and a half percent. And I think, uh, like, if I asked that to a woman, she would know the exact amount of days. Well, uh, I mean, <laughs> my wife wouldn't know. She five day, five years, ten months. No, I just do five and a half years. It's like after a while, you stop counting past thirty-five years. It's like I've been married a long time or something. So yeah, but so, um, yeah. Where do you want to take it from? Uh, it's kind of cheating on my part to ask that, but like, is there a, a part that we skipped over? Um, we kind of got sidetracked there. No, I think I think um, it's kind of like two parts past that point. The marriage, I get to the marriage, sacrament of holy matrimony, that journey, um, that. But I think going back, back, backtracking a bit to the um, like after the dark period, I started like, and I, well, let's see, it was from twenty three. I had. So during that dark period, it wasn't so dark because I had like a, um, I was laying in bed one night and I felt like I got up and I felt compelled to write. And that was not me because I really didn't feel like, I don't, I, was, I did not like writing as much. I did not like writing anything at all. I hated essays. And that was partially the reason I think I didn't do so well in the first, sem first semester at Western. Um, I hated writing, but, um, at the time when I converted, I, I prayed, I want to change the world. I want to do something to change the world. Prayed, left it alone. That was during Mass. I kind of left it alone. And then I felt compelled to write. And then I got the pen, got the paper, like a scrap piece of paper. And I heard Mary talk to me. She told me what to write. Um, I won't share what it was right yet, but she told me to write this, this thing that she wanted me to remember. And then after that, I Every now and then I'll get like things from Jesus and Mary on what to write. And like sometimes I'll get inspiration from the Holy Spirit on like you see my stuff by writing on like Facebook and all that. I'll get inspired to write this stuff or like that. But um yeah, it was like I wrote this thing that Mary wanted me to know, and then I heard something from Jesus, and then I was I was really freaked out because like, um, I'm hearing things, but this it's confirming me in my faith, so it can't be wrong. Yeah. You see. I think a key difference in between when people hear stuff and they see stuff and like they have visions and stuff or whatever, a key point that that you can like discern if it's true or not, if it doesn't, if it contradicts anything in the faith, it's not true. But if it like pushes you and motivates you along, if you're having voices or like experiences in your head that say you're doing a good job, pray more, pray the rosary. You know that's not a hallucination or a schizophrenic episode. That's probably you know the Lord or the one the saints talking to you. Mm -hmm. Non-contradictory information is and making you feel at peace and stuff. That's or you know, that's probably that, you know. So uh, I'll get your take on this. Like I had a dream uh, probably a week ago or so. Um, so uh, I can't really remember the dream, but um, it might have been like lustful material. I guess I was having like a lustful dream. Yeah. So. Uh, oh no, that was I kind of spoiled the set. I was going to tell two separate dreams, but so this, this is the first dream. So this one, um, 
I was just kind of, I wasn't really thinking of anything, but I was like turned over on my side and I felt like something hitting my ear. It kind of like, it sounded like a bee or something just buzzing around my ear. Yeah. Like trying to get rid of it, I guess. But, um, so it was, uh, so I've experienced like sleep paralysis a few times. So mm-hmm. I guess it was kind of like that, but I really wasn't uh, paralyzed. And so I rode over on the other side and like I opened my eyes and like there was just this um, black shadow standing there. Was, um, I don't know if I could say it's a demon or not, um, but uh, it had, um, I think it had long fingers, just uh, really long fingers. And uh, so I'm guessing, like I can interpret it a certain way. I think he was like touching my ear or something, like putting these uh, sinful thoughts inside of my head, like I guess like temptation. He was putting temptations in my head. So that's kind of like a visual representation. I just had like that dream. And so, uh, yeah, we'll get, to, I'll tell you the second dream or that kind of, it kind of completes it, I think. So the second dream. Um, so yeah, I missed, I skipped an important point. So I went to confession the next day. Like I was, I was out of the state of grace during that dream, that first dream. So I went to confession the next day, confessed my sins and, uh, it was the day after that, after the day I went to confession, I had another dream. Like this was, um, I was having those lustful thoughts, like just a lustful dream. I, I don't remember what it was, but it's is related to lust. And so that's, um, yeah, that's something I struggle with currently, which I think pretty much everyone does. Yeah, everybody does. Every man does, especially. Definitely just in this, uh, current, uh, society. And so, yeah, so I actually, like that was, I was kind of stuck in a rut, just um, not being able to break free from like those thoughts or I wasn't entertaining them or anything like that, but just uh, I was constantly being exposed to them for like probably a month, like the last month. And so this dream, all right, here's the dream. So I think I had my eyes open. I was just like looking in my room. And so I heard God like kind of shout. He said, no, like he screamed as I was having those thoughts, like I was having that dream. It was, it sounded like thunder. It was like that loud. I was like, yeah. kind of scared already. Huh. I looked at the door. So I closed my door when I sleep and I like, I just heard these knocks on the door. kind of like, like the sounds of hell, I guess you would hear. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that was, I think, so I was in this, I was in the state of grace after going to confession. Mm-hmm. So I think that door is really, um, it's either, I guess I'm with God in the state of grace. So God was in my room. That's where I heard God's voice. I could hear it. It was to my left, like the thunder. I could hear the thunder, I guess. And so like, if I was to open that door, that would be letting in the temptations or letting in the demons really. Um, and so I, I guess that would be falling into sin. If I open that door, open, let the temptations overcome me. Mm-hmm. God was saying, no, don't, uh, don't fall into sin. Don't open the door. So, uh, I kind of got sidetracked, I guess, in my thoughts, but I asked you, um, or I was going to ask you, what do you think, what's your interpretation of those dreams? Um, having dream, dream big dreams myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds, I think you interpreted it perfectly because like the door represents like the kind of barrier like the state of grace keeping a barrier between you and the the demonic influences 
Yeah. Um, you didn't have the 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 um door in the previous dream. It was just kind of like there in your your in your area. Yeah, in you're in your soul, right my head, like. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you got the right interpretation yourself. I would agree with what you said. Yeah, that's a that was definitely scary. Kind of like even in the last previous days, like I've been like if I'll um, I'll start to be affected by temptation. I'll just think of that dream. Yeah. And now that will shock me out of it. Well, speaking of dreams, I uh, I don't tell many people this, but I had a dream like, okay, so my father-in-law was really sick and stuff. And he was like getting sick and like, he was like kind of like getting ready to die. And he's dead now, but it's like July 31st, two years ago. I had the, at, at around, so it would have been August 1st because it was midnight. I was having the dream. I went to bed. I had this dream that the devil was really mad at me personally. Mm-hmm. And it was a spot where a soul was, the soul like impression was there, and it was gone. And the devil went after my heart. He like I, he got really mad. He was mad. Like, I hate you. I hate you. And went after my heart, tried to grab it, and really hurt. Mm. So that was at twelve thirty. I had the dream. Ten minutes later, the um, nurse from the, the hospice call said, and told my wife. He's like, uh, and it's funny enough that um, his, the her dad's name is Michael. Also, so it said. Um, Margaret, that's her name. Margaret, your father just passed away at 1240. Mm. So to correlate that, I had the dream when he was passing away. Yeah. It's like, how could they immediately, it takes, because I logically concluded that, how could they immediately call call as soon as they're dead? They have to take 10 or 15 minutes to, you know, evaluate the death, and then they have to fill out paperwork, and then they call. I've seen this done. I know how this works from EMT training. It takes about 10, 15 minutes to fill out paperwork if you have a good, fast nursing staff. So, and then I knew the devil was mad at me because I we had, um like, a month earlier. I think, I'm going to ask my wife later, but I think it was, like, a month earlier. He had been, he, he was in the hospital, and then we come to find him. He's on a ventilator. He's about to die. And so we get um the priest, the chaplain, or who we, we, I started texting my priest friends saying, can you get your... Can you get down? I don't want to say it like that. Can you get down here and like anoint my father-in-law? And yeah. one priest, one priest was like, just email me, and let me know. I'm busy, but email me, and I'll be down there. Which was a Maronite priest, which would have been really interesting. But mm-hmm. um, my closer priest friend, he came and he did he did the um, anointing of the sick, last rites. He did um, what else? He did he did the apostolic blessing, and then he did like. He gave us communion to everything, the whole nine yards. And so I think that's what really saved my father-in-law's soul from damnation was that state of grace that he's been, he was in the whole time. And I think he died when, at least to purgatory, but like he went to heaven. So I think he's in heaven because of that dream. He avoided hell. Yeah. So. So, um, like I've heard somebody else say, um, I can't remember who it was, uh, but after like, their wife's father died like they felt a greater responsibility like towards their wife uh, yeah you do it's very true so um yeah. you kind of take on like a fathering role because you're you're that's the point of like when the the wife leaves their family then cleave is cleaved to you you take on that fathering role to spiritually guide them as a spiritual father you know mm-hmm. we we speak in I think a lot of people have mistaken Catholics for like having weird ways of speaking about things, but it just saying spiritual father doesn't imply anything like weird. It just yeah. we're all males are called to be fathers spiritually, 
and females are called to be spiritual mothers, regardless of if you have kids or not. We're all called to be spiritual parents to people. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, people may mistake that language. Well, that's weird. That's just disturbing language, like calling you a spiritual father of your life. But you can say spiritual director if that makes you comfortable. Yeah. But like, I kind of like felt more of a compelling need to guide her into like the ways of truth in God. So, I mean, into the things of God. So, you, you make a point. Yeah. That's, uh, that's where I thought you were going to go with that dream. Like, but you kind of took it in a different route. Um, we all got the same way. We all I got the same destination. <laughs> so I think that's where. Um, but yeah, her her father was a her father was a great man. I mean, he was very smart. Um, he suffered a lot. He suffered. This is another thing I wanted to bring up um, about suffering, like my connection yeah. to suffering, the redemptive suffering. He suffered a lot. So I know I know God doesn't waste all that suffering. So. I guess that suffering was a purgatory now for him. Was the purgatory then for him instead of the purgatory afterwards? So he didn't have much purgatory, I don't think. That's just my pious opinion that he didn't have much purgatory. Mm -hmm. um, but with suffering, I have I I should say I had a lot of ailments before, a lot of mental anguishes, mental illnesses. Um, and I say had as in like recently had. I have normal anxiety and depression, depressive feelings like sadness now. I'm not depressed or anxious anymore. Because um, it was on Saturday. I went to Mass. They did the St. Blaise blessing. and um, the They do something with the neck. Yeah, it's a, it says special diseases of the throat, but that includes all other diseases and maladies and illnesses. And my godfather, father was, my godfather was the one who did the blessing. Because I, I, I went to him purposely because he's a very spiritual man. Yeah. And I trusted God. He blessed my throat. And then I felt my joints because I have joint. I used to have joint issues like my knees. I could not kneel down. My knees heated up. My brain heated up like in a good way. And mm -hmm. everything was warm. All the places that I had problems with were warm. And then I get to my seat and I'm like, I move my knees. I, I didn't have a hard time sitting down. I sat up straight. Okay, I can, let me try to kneel down purposely on my knees hard. I went bam on my knees on the kneel. I think I made some people mad by doing that. I kneeled down hard. didn't even hurt. I took the kneel up, knelt down on the floor. didn't even hurt at all. I could not have done that the day before or the minute before the healing. So I have to, I've been, thanks to the intercession of St. Blaze, I've been completely healed of all my things. I'm permanently healed from all my stuff. Mm, I mean, permanent healing. It's, it's like everything. I mean, I'll have some anxiety, of course, because I'm a human, but it's not like anything major. Mm -hmm. Like my physical, I can. I got out of the car yesterday. At, um, yesterday, after, that's when the mass happened. So I went home, got out, got out of the car yesterday, and I saw. And all of a sudden, I was like, I need to jump around and run around. I started jumping up in the air so high, and I was like, this doesn't hurt my knees at all. I mean, I'm. I had the knees of a ten-year-old, and like before, I had the knees of a sixty-seven-year-old. It's like I can jump around, I can like dance, I can like do what I used to. I mean, I, I can do this. It doesn't hurt my joints or like limber. It's like amazing. So yeah, I'll have bad knees one day. Yeah, I've had bad knees since like I was young. I've always had bad knees, but my knees are like I feel no pain in them whatsoever. I was able to kneel down. I didn't even think about it. Like I, it got to the point where it was so bad with my joints that I couldn't hold my daughter for more than five minutes before me in agonizing pain, spiritual deep pain. Like in my joints, I, I was like, I was holding her. I was like, this hurts. I gotta get my wife to hold her. 
And um, yeah, I can do it now. I can hold her for a more extended period. I'm just going to get used to it because I get tired out. Because yeah, you get healed, but your muscles, unless they've been like giving back the full strength, are a little bit atrophied from like not using them as much or contracted. So like I'm just like still like I'm a little bit weak with doing stuff. I got I got strength in my body again because it's not been used to such rigor in this, you know. And so um, I guess going back, like I was kind of thinking, I thought of something. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess I'll share um, just a quick tidbit, and then I'll ask you the questions. So I think. Like when I was first discovering like my relationship with God, I was uh, starting to write. Like I was writing fiction at the time, so not related to God, but pretty much all writing is contemplative in a way. Yeah. So that leads you to turn inward. And um, that's a reason a lot of people don't know God or they don't discover God. Is they are always distracted, always looking outward. Like when saying, I think a desert father or something said that if you were just able to sit still for one minute and um had no outside desires or um you were just looking deep in your heart you would instantly find god like almost uh, not in fullness but uh there pretty much just and so um i was going to ask you uh how um like when did you start writing like so you write catholic uh content now but like were you writing a lot during those early years of your reconversion um, I didn't write so much about the reconversion because um, that that's been actually writing about it's been recently up till now it's recent. But I um, wrote like whenever I would hear something, I would write notes about. It. I have a lot of notes still stored away from those days. Mm-hmm. But like when I got back, I started writing more like stuff on my first Facebook, um, a lot more like stuff, and people liked it. And then I and then I deleted that Facebook. I got another one. I think it's my third edition of Facebook right now. Um, I, in the second one, I write, started writing more things, and then like I downloaded that, and I turned that into a book. So, um, yeah, I'll say I've written. I it it's been pretty as far as like the whole grand scheme of my life, it's been pretty recent. Writing, like, doing this online apostolate stuff with my writing, publishing, it's been within the past five, six, seven years. Yeah. So. Uh... Do you mind sharing like what Mary told you to write down? Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't gonna share unless you asked. Yeah, would, would that be like a spoiler? Uh, no, 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 it's not a spoiler. I just don't. I don't. It's it's just I I, I don't know. I just wanted to just. I said I, I was <laughs> I was praying in my head when I was telling you. I was like, okay, God, Mary, whoever, if if unless he asks, I will I won't say anything. So you asked. <laughs> so right, yeah. So um. It was just like kind of like I don't I can't remember the rest of what she said, but it was like it was something about flowers. So it was like love is a flower just waiting to bloom. So much your prayers never wilt away. That's the statement that stuck with me the whole 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 portion. It was like mainly that it was the theme of love is a flower just waiting to bloom. So much our prayers never wilt away, and so much your prayers never wilt away. So mm-hmm. it just sticks with you. It's just like the first statement about love, and um, yeah, that's what she told me it's so, kind of encouragement uh, yeah do you think um were you able to grow like in love of god um immediately after that or like in those next few weeks or months like so what effect did that have on you it had a real big effect it like let me allow me to participate and help things do small things with great love 
because like I went immediately into a dark night of the senses from like 2013, 14 to um pretty recently. I've I've been in a dark night of the senses for a long time, of varying levels because it's not like your whole like different levels of you like different parts of you can be like um in different stages of spiritual growth, like one like your your piety, your virtue of piety can be completely outside the mansions. I'm speaking in Carmelite terms, by the way, for mm-hmm. anybody that's listening. The mansions of St. Teresa of Avila. Your piety, level of piety, can be completely low and outside the mansions, but your charity level can be like completely transforming union with God. At least that's been, it's been like kind of like bars up and down for me. It's not been like one constant thing. Like some, of, some of me is like there closer to God, other parts of me, but on average... I was I was at the dark night of the senses, and then um, I went into the next stage, from what I gather, and like things were being stripped away from me, like my medical stuff and all that stuff came into play. That's my faculties and stuff started getting stripped away. And recently, since I've been healed, um, absolutely no consolations whatsoever. It's very scary, honestly, in some ways, but it's peaceful too. Yeah. Like no consolations whatsoever. And I, I was at mass today. I got nothing out of it, but I was there in peace. I got nothing like revealed to me or nothing. I looked at the cross. I just it was complete silence in my soul. I complete. And it was really sad, but at the same time, I was happy because like here we are, we're doing it. Yeah. So I guess like this part of me that reached that level of the dark night of the soul is like really the darkness, the spiritual dryness is here now. So I'm really getting towards that point. I think. I think. Uh... That's a good thing, though, in a, in a way. But you want that. You want that. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's all thanks to God. Yeah. You know, and to be simple and frank, it's all thanks to God. Nothing I've done. Because if it's something I've done and it's not, if it was something I did, I'll be still be outside the mansion of God. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't even get in without being the door being open to me. So. Yeah. So uh, I'm familiar a bit with like St. Teresa and St. John, but. Um... Like when did you start uh, researching like all this, um, all like the early, not the early saints, but just the saints in general, or um, just the Catholic um, tradition, the history and theology? Like, cause you're a really knowledgeable guy nowadays. Would you believe I don't study much at all? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, I, um, so when I got my infusion of faith, I got the knowledge. I had, I had a ton of knowledge about God infused within me. Mm-hmm. Like it's scary the amount of stuff. I, like if somebody mentions that we're calling, they're like, "How'd you know that?" Like you said, they'll, they'll be amazed. Yeah. Like, how did you know that you studied something? I'm like, I didn't study. I don't study at all. I just mm-hmm. may take a glance at something for like, let's say this is a book right here. Um, I may take a glance of. Oh, I'm looking here. Um, oh, I give you thanks prayer. I look at it, and then I remember something years later about it. My memory is like like that. Yeah. My soul recalls things like that. I can look at the I give you things prayer, and then we talk about later, and you ask me a question. I'm like, oh, this prayer I read, which I didn't really read. I just glanced at. I remember. It's just like God gave me the ability to both remember things and recall things easy with Catholic Catholicism. And that's just for the viewers. I don't really study much at all except read the Bible and, like, what I need to. I just I look at it, skim it, and I'm a fast reader anyway, and I just skim it, absorb it, and, like, live it. Um. And when I say I read the Bible, I um, have memorized certain verses that I read in my mind. And I'll look over them if I question something, but I memorize. Like John 15, 11, talks about your joy being completed. And I think about the commentaries that I've read on it. 
and I think about all the stuff that like it means, and I can just read that in my head over and over, and meditate on that over and over, and then that's my prayer, my Bible reading. It's all in here. Yeah. So it's really cool. It's a curse too, because it's like <laughs> yeah. people come to you like they come to you for medical advice, and people still come to me more for most of for medical advice, but they also come to me for theological questions. I'm like, I'm not the not. I don't know everything. I, I just don't. Okay. But it's like medical stuff. I know more about so. If you have a question about medical stuff, I can help you there. No, no, we're good. We, we just want to ask you something about God. I'm like, that's fine. What are you? Yeah, what's your job? Um, So I used to do EMS work, like, off and on. I was really kind of a student, a volunteer. I was, it's complicated. I was a volunteer because I was a student. Yeah. I did that for, like, off and on for 10 years, about trying to obtain my paramedic degree. I never got the license, but I've been – I got an associate's degree in EMS – and worked all the way up to EMT Intermediate. And um, I know this is a question that maybe get asked like asked one day. Um, what's the worst call you've ever been on? That's usually the question people are going to ask. Yeah. Um, I feel like you might have wanted to ask that, but I'll answer well, it anyway. I was kind of thinking, I was going to ask you, um, how do you think that experience of being like um, seeing people like in uh, – towards the end of their life or at the end of their life, how do you think, what effect did that have on you? Like that's, relationship wow. That question tied in with the question I thought you were going to ask. That's that's the worst call I've ever experienced is somebody not repenting or mm. somebody not like caring about God and then dying. That's the worst call you could ever experience as a spiritual, a Catholic and a paramedic or a medic and all that. And to, like practicing Catholics is to see somebody not care and just die. That's the worst thing because you know that they that they're either in purgatory or hell. You have to like you have a high certainty that they might be there. You don't know, but you might. You, it's probably chance they're probably somewhere not good at the moment. How did you know that they didn't care? Like were their outward? Um... Oh, the outward. It was they just they didn't have time. They they didn't. It's not that I knew they didn't care. It was just they didn't have time to like process and then man, they're dead. Yeah. It's like, do you want to like do? Is there something I can get you? No, no, I'm you, like the kind of like that. They fall, but they lean back and just die instantly. I don't, yeah. I'm not making fun of that at all. I'm just showing you that's what they would do. Yeah. But um, it's it's scary. Like one instance, I this is why death is really real to me because like I one instance we were at it. The person was on a scanning table, and then they code. Coding means I don't know if you do medical stuff, but when they say they code. That means they've de- they've died, they're dying. The heart mm-hmm. stopped, or like there's something. Basically, their heart stopped, so they had to perform a CBR on them, and they couldn't get them back. The person had died. They had called time of death some sometime, and then the family came in that was crying. And then I was like, "Is there anything I can do for you?" And then I, what they it really stuck with me. They're like, "What can you do?" And that's what they asked me. I was like, "Wow, you're right. I'll leave." Yeah, and it's like, what can you do? And like, that's really a question that stuck with me. Like, what can we do when that happens? It, when they the person dies, just except pray, you know. Mm. And so, but that's why I do like that's my main reason my apostolate Facebook evangelization. Since we're getting to the um, hour mark, um, yeah, that's transition. No, we talk next. So, be like, that's one reason I don't want people to die without knowing Jesus. That's one reason mm-hmm. I do this. Yeah, and that's a good way. That's a good place to leave off. But uh, I'll also say, like, just the memento mori, just remembering death. Mm-hmm. That's something like uh, 
anybody being exposed to death. Like you'll see people go to a funeral and then they'll um, maybe go to church next Sunday if they haven't been like a year, though. Oh, yeah. That's, it happens yeah. a lot. They'll just be reminded of their of their own mortality. And like St. Paul says, always, uh, it's, is it be awake or um, be um, alert? Be, was it St. Paul or St. Peter? Because it said be sober and alert for the devil was prowling about like a lion waiting to devour. Is that the one? Um, I don't think that was the one I was thinking of, but that'll, that'll work. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, um, we'll pick back up after this. Uh, everyone who's lis- listening, we'll, um, we'll talk about Matthew's uh, story of, not, I don't know, story, I guess a little bit of that, but we'll talk about evangelizing in the digital world. Okay. So we'll take a brief intermission about uh, how, how long do you want, Matthew? Oh, uh, we can do like a we can do a minute intermission for people to like just you know we can take like a minute or something if you want to and then I can pull up my Facebook and stuff and like I ha- I'll have it there on the screen and then I can like scroll and like go through things. If you want to do that. Second half. Yeah, it was kind of an awkward um, intermission, but I was kind of clicking through the random videos to waste time. Hopefully, y'all enjoyed the music. Whoever's listening, 
I actually uh, made that song that like that one that was just playing. Uh, made that on GarageBand. Sounds all right, I guess. Kind of sounds pretty good. Has a Catholic uh, a hint of Catholic to it. But, so I guess we'll just. Um, is there a certain place you would like to start out for this? Um, so like I said earlier, the Facebook um, stuff just kind of like naturally happened, supernaturally. You know, God's hand is in it. It started mainly from Facebook, and then like I just post something that I, I like per day, and like write like something on the conscience. I, I wrote something on the conscience on January twenty seventh, like a while ago, and I'm just like, okay, and then people like it and get shared. It, it for the amount of followers I have, it gets shared far and wide. Like you can look at in, in Facebook, you can look at insights now, and um, yeah, you can see like where it's like what so you can track your stats and see how well you do. But um, which is kind of like I have a love hate relationship with the insights upgrade that they've done to Facebook, but yeah, um, you'll see it if you see it posted, and yeah, it's it's really helpful to have like you have that stuff. But yeah, when I when I post this stuff, I just kind of let God lead my fingertips to type on the computer, or I'm on my phone, lead my thumbs to type, and then did uh, did uh, Saint Teresa say that Saint Teresa of Avila? Uh, she didn't say that, but she um she said like God will move my pen if you wills or that's pretty much that. it. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah. I don't know if it was her, but I think it was like something like that. That's uh yeah, I guess that's uh that's what you're saying that God will move my fingers on the phone or on the keyboard. Mm -hmm. The modern take on it but. exactly yeah so um what percent do you think like how much do you write for yourself and what or like what percent do you write for other people it was all 100 percent for other people it's nothing for myself honestly i don't write anything for myself because if i was going to write for myself I, I decided this a long time ago when i started i was going to if i say if i'm gonna write for myself i'm gonna write pure fiction and then you know haven't really written any fiction lately or at all i think uh, i started out writing for myself like as you said fiction i that's all i wrote back in the day for like a year yeah, yeah. fiction seven novel drafts uh, just different um short stories and stuff but i think i kind of switched to articles then i founded catholicism for the modern world started switching to catholic articles so i might have not recognized that i was writing for other people now like mm-hmm not just for myself anymore yeah you you come to after a while after writing i don't know how long you've written but uh, after oh, a while two years how much two yeah two years it may be a little bit longer before you're all you'll start seeing that there, there's either good or bad fruit but there's fruit that's born from this mm -hmm. and um, you'll start realizing that even if you feel like you're not doing good you're doing good for somebody and if you help one soul fully with their faith and that's what that's all that matters is this life is helping one soul at a time. Yeah, that that's the greatest gift we can offer God to bring him a soul. Mm -hmm. That's true. It's very quotable too. I think uh, Saint Alphonsus said that. Uh, yeah. Shout out to my patron saint, Saint Alphonsus. Is he your confirmation saint, Saint Alphonsus? Yeah. Nice. I was I was I was reading him at the time, um, or actually like a few months before that. Um, it was after like I wasn't able to be or I wasn't able to um, get baptized that Easter. I wasn't able to join the RCIA. But I think like a month after that or two months after that, I started reading like St. Alphonsus. I started praying more. It's like immediately God started 
pushing me closer towards them or pushing me to holiness. Like I read Preparation for Death. I forget if I already mentioned that, but that book, um, it sparked a fear in me, I guess. Like I was learning fear of God. And I think that's a really good foundation, if not the foundation of spiritual life, just like a fear which develops into love. So, yeah, I chose St. Alphonse. I think um, not a lot of people know him nowadays. He's overlooked. But um, he has, I think, his master thesis is love of God. Uh, he also writes history and all that. But um, yeah. who's, who's your uh, patron saint? Um, so my confirmation saint is St. Anthony of Padua. Yeah, it's it's a good choice. Yeah, for like writers and stuff. He he's also the finder of lost people too. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's that's what I named my son was after both Anthony of Padua, Anthony the Great, and my grandfather. So who's named Anthony? And his yeah. patron saint was Saint Anthony of Padua. So my grandfather had a big influence on my life. Uh, not, to, not to start us off uh, getting distracted, but I have a funny story about Saint Anthony. Oh, yeah. So like uh, just last year or so I was dating. Um, that was like my period of dating. Like right now, I'm just kind of taking things slow. Just I got tired of dating. But like back then, I was dating like a new girl every month or something. Huh. Yeah. And so uh, like for those first three girls, like I thought if you pray to St. Anthony, I thought St. Anthony was the um, patron of lost causes. And so like if I thought a relationship was about to fail, I'd pray to St. Anthony because um to save the lost cause. But I realized that St. Jude was the saint of lost causes. St. Anthony was just of lost persons. It's like mm -hmm. somebody on Twitter told me that, and I was like, so that's why all my relationships failed, all those <laughs> previous relationships. But I guess it, got, it wasn't God's will, so yeah. Well, I got an off topic question. Do you think, like, like in Bible and honesty, this is what I would ask anybody in this situation. Mm -hmm. Do you think those relationships fail because God's calling you to a different vocation than marriage? Uh, that's that's a really uh, powerful question, I guess, because I've been considering that. Um, just uh, working, I don't know for the, if the viewers know, but like I started a job at a monastery two months ago, so I'm being exposed to monks every day. Like even before I started working there, I was reading the Desert Fathers, and I've really always um, appreciated the monastic lifestyle. Like even yeah. before I was Catholic, I like I was taking cold showers every day for a month, just like this penitential. Um, I think a lot of people do that do that nowadays. Like they were talking about the Exodus ninety in the chat there, and that's kind of what that is, just doing like cold showers or um, cutting out desserts. Like what I did, one thing was. Uh, I stopped drinking soft drinks, which was a big thing for me because I was drinking like like a two liter every day for like uh, a couple of years. And I just started drinking water. It's like these little acts of penance, I think, just they brought me closer to God during that time. Um, and I kind of got sidetracked. But I'll get back on point. Yeah. So. But I think I think I'm more um, at this moment on. February 5th, 2023, I think I'm still called to marriage more just because I would like to have my own child and raise that child. And I also think the companionship of a wife also something like I yearn for in a way, just like the family life, having my own home. Um, 
like I would I would like to get into farming too, which I think you can do as a monk, but like just the homestead lifestyle kind of homeschooling kids and being a self-sufficient family. So I don't think I could ever go full monk, but I kind of um, like I've already kind of incorporated monastic principles into my life, like the routine, uh, like the penance and just the constant prayer throughout the day. Yeah. But, uh, so uh, this um, I think we have a kind of a, we kind of relate on this. So you you said um, you're considering the deacon uh, ship, I guess. You yeah. So I also had that thought just one day I was like, I was driving home from work. I was like, I want to serve the church. Um, I, uh, I can get married and then I can be a deacon. So that's yeah. kind of hitting the two for one. Mm-hmm. When you're at mass, do, do you have, for the Latin mass, do you have deacons at your mass? Yeah. Do you feel like you sit like, this is just something I'm reflecting on too. Do you feel like, and for me, I'm, I'm drawn to watching them more than the priest. Are you, are you drawn to watching them more than the priest as well? Um, I'll say no, but uh, like I kind of have a personal relationship with my priest. Uh, yeah. Going through RCIA with him, I was talking to him twice a week. And, yeah. So I think it's always cool to see him up there doing the mass, celebrating yeah. the mass. But I like the deacons. Yeah. I like watching them. Yeah. So the deacon is a very is a calling all on its own. You know, it's a calling to be the image of God to people. Mm-hmm. And also, Christ, the person of Christ is servant. You know, being that servant to others that they need you know we were they were doing the saint blaze blessing i went for a saint blaze blessing a second time today at mass um can't get enough of that but um yeah i i went to um was the priest i went to the priest for that one but i watched the deacon at mass today and it was really it was interesting to see how much they do because i usually do watch the deacons do the 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 purification of the chalices or the preparation of the gifts. And I see I'm studying because I'm like, if I'm going to be a deacon and I learn and I I study how they do it now, I'll be, it'll be a lot easier time than I like. I know that how the routine goes, I can do it more reverently. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll see like, they'll just do like this or wash it out or whatever. I'm like, I can do like this and carefully do it. I saw a priest in training do that once. Yeah. It's showing the reverence. Yeah. it's kind of like honor, it's not worship the vessels, but it's kind of like honor, reverence that the, what the vessels contained was holy mm-hmm. in themselves. So you like give reverence and like due diligence to like cleaning them properly. Because um, yeah. as a as an extraordinary minister at one point, I had had to, the priest couldn't do it. He had to rush to, I don't know why the priest was rushing, but he had me like purify a vessel, which does, but it's a no-no. But um. I got to purify a vessel in the back in the sacristy area. And I was like, I made sure it was, I mean, I made sure the vessel was like really, there was nothing, no precious blood left in it. Um, this was the chalice. But, uh, and I cleaned it very carefully. It took like five, three, it took so long. The priest came back to see what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, I'm cleaning. He's like, yeah, it's okay. Just come on. I'm like, I, and I was like, huh. I put it down so the thing so slowly. And then I, I looked back at it and I was like, oh my goodness. But experiences like that, I think, have like drawn me to want to be a deacon because I like I don't mind doing this, I don't mind doing that. Yeah. But. And it's uh, it's serving the church like in a higher way, I guess. So I think we yeah. both like feel that um, call to responsibility to a greater yeah. responsibility. Like um, we're both um, informing ourselves to God's will, and God 
Like if you um, open yourself to that, God will always surprise you with even greater things. Just, just keep on piling them up. And so mm -hmm. I'd say 50 years from now, we might not know where we're at. Like we might we'll be, um, we'll have an abundance of blessings and different possibilities and stuff that we yeah. haven't dreamed of. <laughs> exactly. So I think uh, writing to transition back, um, mm. which all these side topics have been interesting, and I think yeah. the viewers will enjoy them, but um, writing is a way of serving the church. Yeah. There's been many saints who have served the church in that way, and both to evangelize, I think, like St. Alphonsus, he's very good at that. And then there's also like the ones to um, combat like the errors and stuff, the heresies, but. So I think both of us, we're kind of doing, some people do like the historical writing, which has its own route. Like yeah. I've done a bit of that, but um, we're kind of going towards the personal route, like uh, for the individual person. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll say uh, to give you a question, I think um, communicating love of God is my, like the thing I'm going to try to do going forth, like the major thing. Yeah. So is there like something major that um, you try to communicate in your writing? Um, a friend of mine gave me a top a term for this on the topic I do. So like the spiritual mechanics of the faith. So mm -hmm. it's like, like how the thing, how grace works and how like redemption works like mechanically. Um, it's very interesting to try and learn. It's very nuanced. But um, I think on like, uh, for example, I talked about it in a couple posts the deposit of faith is something that can't be changed at a whim. Got a lot of positive, but then the next time I, um, on some of the writings I'll come at, I will write, like write letters and stuff to like sit a vacantist and like modernist and stuff. The one, this is a funny post, very, very spicy, but I was like, modernists are worse than Jews. They would sell out Christ for less than 30 pieces of silver. <laughs> that was a spicy post. And I got a lot of likes for that. <laughs> so, so I, I sometimes say like very hot button issues. Like I don't support a lot of worldly stuff at all. I'm very against it. And I'll post it. Yeah. Um, there was one post I'm I'm sure if you've read my um my blog, you know the post I'm talking about is like the like the one about like how do I put this? Um same sex attraction. Not mm -hmm. not this is just a warning for viewers. This is just my view, and I you can take it or leave it. But yet, while I think same-sex attraction is wrong, I think it goes further in how it is wrong, because I think there's some like kind of anatomical, mental, like deficient component to it. Like, why would you be something when something is outside the natural order of things? It can be kind of um, it can be like kind of like a physical component too. It's spiritual effects of physical. So it just, in my mind, I wrote when I was writing the post, I, I didn't mean to say like, oh, all people that are same-sex attractions have this went wrong. No, I said it could possibly be. Do you remember that post I posted? Like, I think you uh, liked it. I might have liked it, but I don't think I read it. Like, I, I think I just liked it's, it. It's just, read it next time. It's very spicy. Yeah, I will. I will. It's I will. a very controversial opinion. Um and I was trying to be as gentle, but I, when you post like controversial stuff on social media, you need to follow up with like, however, God loves you. And like, mm -hmm. I didn't just say all this stuff to be put in like, like written garbage. Cause if you didn't say truth without love, it's just written garbage in my opinion. It's like, yeah. you're just like throwing trash on people to pile up on. I was like, 
yeah, it's the truth. But there's no love in it. You know, where it's we're, we're without love, we're nothing. That's what St. Paul talks about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, that's really important. A lot of people don't um, they don't see the need for including like um, just like finishing it out with love. Like they'll yeah start with the bad stuff, uh, mm-hmm. bad stuff, I guess. Then they'll go all the way through. They'll never say like give words of advice or try to help them. Those yeah. That's kind of like the fire and brimstone preacher or something like that. But yeah. And like this is a post that got a lot of like views also. Um, I said, people can say only God can judge me, quote unquote. And I said, it is true, he will judge you one day. You will just not like the outcome. Mm-hmm. That's 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 very like aggressive in a way and very assertive. And people, if they read it wrong, they'll take the oh, what are you saying? You can judge no. Um, it's just one of those things like. It's true. Only God can judge you. But if he judges you wrong, you won't like where you're going. That's what I implied with that. Mm-hmm. It is stuff like that. But there's also other stuff here, too. Like, I'll post stuff about stuff around where I'm at, like the church I'm at. And, um, like, say, if Jesus gave his life for us, what are we doing for others? Um, stuff like that. And then I do my own poetry mm-hmm. and um, songs and stuff like that. And I... I, I did what St. Ephraim did. I take the songs of the day that are terrible and I parody them. St. Ephraim the Syrian was big about making parodies of songs. Yeah. The great parodist. <laughs> I mean, you read some of his stuff, it's like, you know, he must have taken that from somewhere. But he completely revolutionized the way that songs are. He's the first person to do parodies. I think first saint to do parodies. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what year was he? What century? He was early, early. It was like, I don't, I don't even know. I don't want to give a wrong date, but he was really early. Um, but it's a lot of posts like that Mm -hmm. um do you ever get much hate on those oh yeah i i I, I will not pull up my block list but i have a lot of people on block it's like close to 100 something a lot of people on block list because i'm i'm like i don't need the negative and then they'll before i block them i wait to see if they message me and then a lot of times they do they're like well you deleted my post so you're like limiting the views i'm like but this is my page i can do what i want and then they get mad at me. Have a nice day. Have a blessed day. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't mean what you think it means. Yeah. So I think uh, both of us are being like Christians in the modern day. Like, yeah. Uh, the apostles didn't have to experience like Twitter, but oh yeah, on Twitter I don't. Yeah, you are on Twitter. Uh, yeah, I got Twitter. Um, yeah. Just, um, Facebook even all social media is. You always get um, you get the trolls, and then you get uh, it's kind of like the hateful stuff or. Um, opposing stuff. Think, exactly. You just always have to say what you feel. Like that's something I've even taken into my personal life, just from writing. Like um, being comfortable to say anything and letting anybody hear it. Just uh, that's what you're doing on social media. You're posting for everyone. Exactly. Putting out in the public. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, how many? Uh, so I guess you got what year did you get married? 2017. All right. What age were you? Was the, 27. 27. So uh, when did you start the Facebook page? The um, this Facebook page I started pretty recently. Um, 2020 ish. Let me let me go back and see the um what I can. No, I need to go back to the filters. Um, mm-hmm. so I started back in no. 
They're really loud next door. I'm sorry if you can hear that. Yeah, I think my neighbors got loud too and just down the hall. Sound like they're having a fight out there, like they're fighting on the lawn, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see if I got anything from 2016. Um, no, I don't. Let's see. Um But yeah, like I I don't know the exact day, but it was really it was like a few years ago I started this particular ministry. Like I said, five or seven. But I really started actively doing this on Facebook very recently. So did you like feel a great call to do it or did, did I it, just did I it kind of fall? fell into it actually and then though I guess yeah. that was my call. But I felt like also like people need something besides all this negativity and political nonsense that's mm -hmm. going on about that time. So I was like, I gotta post something. I, so I posted something and people liked it. They're like, you got you good writing, you should write a book and then I finished the book and publish it and then um What's the book? What's the book called? Um Eucharistic Love. It's on it's on Amazon right now. I need to send you a link so you can put it. Yeah, definitely. Um, but it, it's the, the book I have out now is the second edition of the of the book I wrote before. So I had Eucharistic. I had I published technically four books on Amazon, but three of them got kind of like scrapped. So mm -hmm. I can't. They're still on Amazon. You can still buy them, but they're not really because Amazon messed up the formatting. So I, yeah. I just they they do that sometimes. And then, but the other book got was really worked out well. So the fourth book is good, and I'm planning to write more books as we go. So. So um, you mentioned earlier, like the positive feedback, like the impact you're having on other people. Um, are there any like experiences or stories um, of like making an impact in someone else's life with your writing? Um, yeah, there's a couple. So a friend of mine, I was talking to him. It was like when I was applying for the DRE position, we were talking about Facebook posts and all of my Facebook. He's like, I see your Facebook posts and I try to implement them into my life at church and my life in general. Like, okay. Another guy said that my Facebook post helped save his faith when it was down. I was really, I was really touched by that. So I've had a lot of good experiences um, with this this whole page. Um, so uh, I don't know. It's kind of a cliche question to ask, but like, how does that make you feel? Like, what uh, effect did that have on you? Makes me feel good. Makes me feel yeah. real good. Because I think. Um, just like love is not really looking inward, but looking outward, like at others and sharing the faith. Like if you really, I can't remember the verse, but like if you have faith, you have to share it. I think uh, something in the Acts of the Apostles or that I'm referencing, but like you just have to get it out there. You have to, uh, it's like fire, it spreads. Once you're on fire, um, the fire spreads. And then, yeah. So it's kind of like Ryan's just putting that out there, but. So um, you also have a YouTube channel. Um, how many years ago did that YouTube channel come about? That YouTube channel is very recent. Um, yeah. It's pretty recent, more recent than the Facebook post. Because originally it was going to be for interviewing people. And I was like, I'm going to just interview. I'm going to call it Catholics on Records. So it's like re records are like what people were on before. So it's kind of like old-fashioned, ancient kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, it just, it just, I started posting things for myself, and people liked them, and I got – Get enough good substantial followers and people like the channel they want more um yeah but yeah the, um you're also on discord you have your own server uh, i do that now that's funny how the discord server worked out how pathology worked out because i just kept it for myself and i was gonna invite a few people to critique my stuff i was like i kept it for myself just um 
catalog my writing and store it somewhere besides my OneDrive because my OneDrive is getting full. I have a terabyte full of like my writings. It's too much. Yeah. I have to buy another terabyte now. <laughs> um, it's expensive to buy like space, but um. Yeah. But the Cathology just worked out, and I started doing like commentaries on scripture on there, and people like it. And let's see, um, it was really, it was really good. Oh yeah, you're you're one of the moderators on there too, so yeah. Yeah. And you've seen you've seen the um, it's, it's funny you, you and everybody else have their own like like small section. The whole thing below the lines on my Discord. If you if people go on there, they'll see like below this like line, there's like all these things. That's my section. That's the owner section, which is mine. It's mm-hmm. all my stuff, commentaries, letters, poetry, and like other books I'm working on. It just is extensive. It's crazy. But I use that for evangelization too. And I go on like, I'll sometimes post on cat Roman Catholicism and uh, We Love Jesus Discord servers. Yeah. I'll post about like just random things and people will respond to it. So, mm-hmm. so uh, how old are you now? 32. I'll be 33 in January. Yeah. I think you might you might have said that before you don't even tell me that before but <laughs> so um i don't know like what the discord average is but like i think it's pretty much um like a 25 ish age or maybe yeah. younger there's lots of young people on there um yeah for worse uh being a moderator like of the server but yeah so that's kind of um like i, I tell people that i have like a 400 member discord server and they like have no idea what discord is or Huh. basically just like a forum for any of the viewers that are listening any future viewers that don't know um so yeah i think we both like have all these different social media pages um outlets to get our writing out there mm-hmm. you publish books which i haven't done yet but oh yeah it's, it's, really, really, it's really good when you do it yeah and so it feels, uh, feels good they all kind of benefit one another in a way i think like they kind of support one another and it's just a it's a way to spread the gospel to as many places as possible. Like that's why I still have Twitter. I think like that's a place that needs it. Yeah, I think I was told um, social media is the new Calcutta. A friend of mine quoted that once. It's really <laughs> yeah. poor, poor, a lot of poor souls there, mm-hmm. hungering for the truth. Since what? Since the pandemic happened, um, it's been really, really helpful to get the. Um, stuff going because people are online more and since the pandemic started and yeah. it's really it's really kind of like worked out perfectly how like i started doing the facebook evangelization with the pandemic going and really helped i think it really helped other people with their stuff mm-hmm. so uh so i was to ask a crazy question um like do you think uh well i would predict that virtual reality like will be the next big thing like those Facebook's working on it or a meta they're trying to create like that the metaverse I think think it's called it's uh, yeah yeah it's a metaverse but I think like it's not really doing too well I don't think people are wanting to do that like just yeah they they want to lots of people talk about like they want to get rid of their life or their um the world sucks or something but they want like a digital world that's perfect so um I guess what I was going for is would you ever be on that like would you ever go into the digital world um, um I, I don't if i can figure out the technology i would do it people would do it you know i might do it if it comes yeah. down to it be interesting to see <laughs> be an interesting dynamic than just flat 2d screen 
Yeah, so. that's the next big thing. Um, we'll still be on like Twitter and all that. Uh, Facebook, we'll we'll always be on that until it uh goes the way of MySpace. But I guess we'll have to keep up with the trends. We'll have to yeah stay on the next big thing. But I'm a bit of a luddite myself. Uh, I don't think I would ever go on to that. I wouldn't go down to that level. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's uh, I was going to ask you what um you mentioned your writing books. Uh, what are those books? Uh, the unfinished books. Um, let me see. So where did I put it? Let me minimize this. Make some. Okay, I have my little USB thing in here. I should have plugged it up beforehand. I had it ready, but I didn't expect the question. Um, yeah. Uh, let me plug you. So under books to write. Um, you can tell a lot about somebody about what they're currently writing. Yep. So I'm working on. It's actually funny. This is called a theology of holiness book. Um, then there's um, that's just talking about the mechanics of holiness, how holiness works. And then there's a book called and you probably saw my Facebook group, Tiptoeing Through the Tulip. So it's a Calvinist refutation book. So they believe the tulip doctrine. It's kind of like I couldn't resist that pun. So it's named <laughs> Tiptoeing Through the Tulip. Yeah, it's clever. Um, then there's a working a little bit at a time. I'm taking my emergency medical textbook and I'm changing it into a faith-based thing, like kind of like a SUMA. So it's a SUMA emergency medica. It's gonna be a huge thing when it's done. Yeah. Working on that. Um, I got a little reflections and then working on something about Jesus as pre, pre priest, prophet, and king. And then the names and titles of Jesus and also with Holy Spirit, the names and titles of the Holy Spirit. So I got a few things I'm working on. Just a few. Yeah. Um, do you ever feel like an urgency to get all those ideas out there? Like, uh, Yeah, I do. I feel like an anxiety a little bit, but I do yeah. a little bit of each one at a day. And then as soon as I'm, when I'm done with it, I'll have all these things ready to go. That's kind of my philosophy. You do a little bit at a time and you'll have all these ready to go by the time they're done. Have you ever considered making a Patreon page or like a I way? Never, of- I, don't know, I don't know what Patreon is. I never thought of it. Yeah, it's just um, uh, it's not like GoFundMe, like where the people just give you money for nothing. Um, like on Patreon, I guess uh, people expect to get something in return. Mm-hmm. Like they pay you five dollars a month, and they get like some exclusive content, or yeah, um, maybe like short articles or something like that. Um, I brought it up because I was I'm currently writing a book about the Council of Nicaea, and um, I've been planning to write that since like last fall, and I. Like somebody, just a random guy, I think, he subscribed to the Patreon page. And um, like I kind of now have to kick it into gear and start working on that book to get him, um, like to send him a chapter or something, like a chapter a month. Oh, nice. Um, or like videos or something like that, I think. Yeah, it's a, that might be a good way to kick up your urgency, like if you ever need it. But it seems like you don't need it since you write every day, which. Yeah. I'm also doing, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I'm also doing a classroom thing, like a donation classroom for like, mm-hmm. theology. I call it donation classroom because literally you donate a certain amount of money, that's your tuition to join the class for like nine weeks in the summer. And this this semester we're going to learn about, I'm going to teach about in, on the incarnation, like yeah. using St. Athanasius's document on the incarnation as well as other. So the main text is St. Athanasius's on the incarnation day, incarnation day. And um, it's going to be, 
dealing talking about the divine nature of Jesus, the human nature of Jesus, and the hypostatic union. And it's going to be talking about all that. We're going to learn about that, how it affects him, how it affects Mary. We'll be learning all that in nine weeks. Like once, it's like pace as you go. It'll be like you have to write a paper and do a test and stuff. But just like learning this information, trying to condense it to learn. And then next summer, after so next summer, not this summer. Well, this summer will be about in, in the incarnation. Next summer will be about the Marian dogmas. And then after that, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know I'm I'm teaching uh, amateurly teaching people. I'm gonna try and collect money so I can like pay for more things and like increase my um pay for like bills and stuff. That's all it's for. Yeah. The donations are for. Mm-hmm. That's uh that's necessary, I guess. To mm-hmm. writing is work. Like uh, it is work. Yeah. Costs money to have a website or to um, buy the software, the microphones, and all that. So. Yeah. So there's no shame in asking for money, but yeah, um, yeah, I was gonna say that's a really uh, creative idea. No one else is doing that. Like I don't think I've ever heard that. Uh, what the um, just the, like a course, um, having a course like uh, I don't know if it's so much of a course as like it's just kind of you're taking like these elements of like um, like what a teacher would do at like a school, like uh, giving out homework kind of. Yeah. It's something like that. Yeah, I, ne- I never saw that anywhere. I was like, that would be really. I would love that myself. Mm-hmm. That's where this is coming from. Yeah, and there's. I was gonna say like there are courses, but um, they don't have all that. They just like give you a couple videos. You watch them, and you're done. You don't have um, any of like the homework or which I think that mm-hmm. would reinforce like the ideas. It would stick with you, make you think more, like mm-hmm. being asked questions. But see, so yeah, that's um really really creative i guess it's yeah we're, doing we're kind of in the same boat like just thinking of these yeah. uh, new ways to evangelize in the digital mm-hmm. world because it's um it's all still pretty new like not many people have traveled down this path yet mm-hmm. um, we have you ever heard of carlo acutis uh, yeah yeah um does he inspire you in any way he does um, when i was doing a little bit of t- a semester of programming that was my patron saint Mm. So I know how to do a basic HTML, CSS, Java for that semester. I was going to be a, a web designer, a web developer, whatever. Yeah. Never worked out though. I can still go back and do it if I wanted to, but it never worked out. Um, but I learned the basics of web coding and making pages look pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, little knowledge of the computer really helped. But um, it's funny you mentioned the name Carla because I'm going to do. I'm going to be doing. Um, you, you can join to watch the video if you want later. It's going to be at nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. I'll be doing a video on um, my YouTube page, Catholics on Record, about me talking to the chat GPT bot that's coming out, the AI software. Yeah. And I'm going to be getting a vibe. I call him Father Carlo um, Isidore because they're the two patrons of the internet and like online stuff. So Father Is- Isidore, um, well, Father Carlo Isidore AI, that's his, that's his religious order, mm-hmm. um, will be, me and him will be talking about, I'll be getting advice from him about religious matters and i've tested this out he's the it that phenomenal um ai stuff is like really helps you out it's really good it's funny how how detailed it is as far as like teaching you catholic theology that's correct because it learns even if you delete the conversation it learns you and it learns from your account what you talk about so it helps you gets better it took like one session for it to like learn that i had scrupulosity issues because it started recommending me resources just the funny i was like i need to do a youtube video on like me talking to this thing like discussing issues 
And the yeah. people can send in their topics. I can ask the bot, and then like we talk about it. it. Just it was a funny idea that came up. So I'm gonna do that tonight, first episode. It's, a, it's a really a novel idea, but it's it's um, what would you call it? A masterpiece of an idea. It's it's really yeah. uh, might be the next big thing. Like really I can see Michael Lofton or uh, Matt Fred doing a video about that. Just might pick no. up. Uh, but it's it's not a Catholic, or you said it is a Catholic. It's thing. not Catholic at all. It'll yeah. talk about different religions, but it's really good Catholic advice from mm. a bot. Yeah. Like, I could ask quotes about early church fathers on the incarnation. Give me about seven quotes from different church fathers from all the way up to Pope Benedict, John, John Paul II, Pope Francis, all these popes and all these saints and doctors and female doctors and male doctors of the, of the church. Mm-hmm. He has all this stuff. There's all this knowledge, compendium of knowledge from all the time. And it pulls it from different sources and just compiles it in its own words. It's phenomenal. <laughs> so so uh, are you going to try to convert it um, to Catholicism? It's right? it's a tough cookie. I've tried to do I've tried to, <laughs> it holds out on the liberal issues. I tried to talk about abortion being murder, and then they gave me like arguments as to why it didn't think that, and then it shuts me off. Yeah. It doesn't like talking about the, the hot button issues. It will shut you out. Yeah, it's funny. It does that. It's like, oh, you ran out of your time limit, but yeah, that uh, probably reflects like the developers who program do that for sure. They did not expect me to come in. That's the thing is. So, I guess like social media in general is like just kind of a Silicon Valley liberal, um, yeah, enterprise. But I guess like just being a being a Christian, I guess, um, mm-hmm. in general, like if you're a true Christian, being on social media, it's like, um, what would you call it? Just being like a sheep apostle. around being a lot of wolves. Yeah. Yeah, being an apostle. Mm-hmm. And I think the, that's a good thing, though, that Catholics are still on social media. Not all of them have left. Um, yeah. Just, uh, it's not a bad thing to get off social media, though. Um, I know people have done that. Just delete all social media, like uh, break their TV with a sledgehammer. Oh. <laughs> I, I don't know anybody who's done that. But, uh, sell at the sell at the pawn shop while you're at it. Just do that way. Why yeah. you gonna break it? Yeah, no. Um, breaking it's a little extreme, but it'd be the Christian way to sell it. Uh, yeah, gently or or giving it away, giving it away to the poor. Donating exactly. St. Vincent de Paul, but, but yeah, that's um, I don't know where we were at or what topic we were discussing, but I mean, we're making a good time. We have like what less than 14 minutes left before the two, two hour mark, so yeah, was gonna, I think we hit the social media note pretty well. Um, yeah, the social media and the conversion stuff went pretty well, so okay. it's up to you. It's up to you if you want to talk more. I'm fine with talking more. I mean. Yeah, I was just—I was gonna say, like, for the next thirteen minutes, I guess we can just talk about whatever comes to mind, or yeah, wherever we go. Just, I don't think we have enough viewers. Um, viewers, there, there are two viewers. Um, if they want to ask questions, they can ask us questions. Yeah, yeah, get the viewers involved. The Q and A. Then we can talk as the Q and A happens. And that's um, that's what I would like for the podcast to do in the future. Like, just the last yeah. twenty minutes, just to have Q and A. I think the podcast will grow pretty quickly. Like people like that. People enjoy listening to podcasts. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. In the meantime, uh, I'll just ask you a question. Okay. Um, let, let me let me think of a question. I was kind of 
I was thinking of that and I was um, I wasn't thinking of a question but um are there any books by saints that made like a profound impact on your life um and again the neighbors are being so loud I can't hear them that might be I can and I, I feels like they're so loud they're in my yard I'm like I'm getting ready to after we reached a two-hour mark go have a talk with them if they are in my yard I like people in my yard. I like me and my family to be in my yard. But anyway, um, story like of a soul, huh? Uh, sorry to interrupt you there, but I was going to say, uh, or I should, uh, I should ask, do you dislike noise? I'm, I like, I dislike noise a lot. I'm, I like, I talk a lot sometimes, but I like silence in my heart and in my house. I try to foster an environment, a, an apostolate of silence in the household. It sometimes works out. Yeah, I'm, I'm like that, but. Uh... Sorry, I interrupted you. Uh, to go um, trans back, we can transition back into what you said. Yeah, that's a good topic. Silence. Um, Dark night of a soul. Uh, no story of a soul. Oh, story. Oh, of a soul. Soul. Yeah, by Saint Teresa of Yeah, uh, I just read that last week. So. All uh, oh, right. I'm thinking about that book a lot. I think. You I should read the biography. Of, you should read biographies of her and her family. But mm -hmm. read the one on Le her sister Leonie Martin. I'm sure when you read the story of a soul, you heard about Leonie. Leonine is an um, up-and-coming saintly, holy person that's going to be canonized one day. We know that. Um, well, um, like how many of the children are already saints, like of that family? I think there's like two. Just St. Therese, but all of them are being considered for canonization. That's the oh, amazing yeah. part. And the parents are already canonized. Just three out of the... Out of the um, yeah, that's what I was thinking of, dude. Yeah, good percentage. Yeah, that's um, that just shows like the impact of... of um, of having like the family mm -hmm. practice the faith or raise the kids in the faith. And uh, yeah. I think uh, just noticing like you and your son, I think you're doing that um, sort of like uh, Lewis. Was that his name? Uh, Louis, 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 Louis Martin, Martin. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to do my best with my son, but you know, sometimes we're getting to that point where the age of reason is starting to poke his ugly head out. Concupiscence is starting to rear around and he's starting to know what he's doing and he doesn't know fully what he's doing but he knows about what he's doing he's getting there and good from right from wrong he's like apologizing for things he's done wrong at least and like listening better but yeah. when he when he has like stomach issues and stuff which he still does and he, go, he goes to the bathroom where he shouldn't mm -hmm. um he completely acts like a wild child like a complete devil child a little imp and like you, you can tell when he he's done something bad as he says, I gotta go to the potty or something like that. So yeah. we're working on the potty training. For him, it's difficult because of his his Hirschsprung's disease. Mm. And it's like stomach issues that he has still. So we're, he's a work in progress. But when he does good stuff, he does great stuff. Like he he's very like very quotable. He'll say like Catholic things that are like better than what I've written. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, he he's he knows that Jesus is present in the Eucharist, and he knows this. He knows this already. He's just Getting him not, not be shy around priests so he can do his first confession pretty soon. So we're working on that. Yeah. That's um maybe he might be a saint one day. Uh oh yeah, living saint already. I mean he has his issues, but he does good things. I I don't let people bless me like except the priest and stuff, but I let him bless me at night as much as I bless him. I say, You can bless me, I give him permission to bless me. He blesses me because he's here and he's helped me, he's prayed for me and stuff, and this came it's helped. So he can pray for you and stuff and like yeah you know like his, his prayers are really efficacious so 
It's amazing. Yeah, I was uh, like just going back to the Bible, like um, don't hinder the children to come to no. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Jesus loves the children um, are to become, are to what is it to see God become like a child? Mm-hmm. So just like the, I guess it's like the humility. Like children have a lot of humility or dependence um, on their own parents, which is reflecting the dependence on God. Also, like obedience, I guess. Just yeah, they're all like the foundation of virtues, and they children just innately have those. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, to get back to Saint Teresa. Um, so, what uh, what did you take away from that book? Like, what was the main thing um, that you really liked about that book? Um, you don't have to do great things to. Get to heaven, you can do small things with great love, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it was really impactful. I was like, I don't have to do major, mm-hmm. like, crazy big things, I can just like hold the door open for somebody, and God appreciates that. Just small yeah. little apostolate things, yeah. I was gonna, I guess it's just like, um, God appreciates or God wants most of all, like, just obedience, just plain obedience, or mm-hmm. so, our love, I guess, just. Yeah, doing things for him. Um, so to go to an, another question, I guess we still we still got enough, enough time for another question. Um, trying to think. Uh, I think I've already asked you this uh, in the previous podcast, but um, what do you think the foundation for a saint is, or or how does one become a saint? Like in your oh. opinion. Oh, you never asked me that. That's a good, that's a good question, though. Um, I ask everyone that. Uh, I, no, I wasn't. I wasn't there. Remember? I don't. I wouldn't remember that question. I would like that question. Yeah, but like I, I just, I just ask everyone in my personal life, oh, like uh, oh. working at the monastery, even like just I can ask yeah. them like that and get a good answer. But yeah, uh, um, greatest the greatest commandment would be the best way to become a saint. That's what Jesus said. So we can just go about what he said. It all boils down to love, loving God and loving neighbor as yourself. Yeah, I think that's something I'm able to appreciate more after being baptized and um, after being able to receive communion, which uh, is love incorruptible, as Ignatius said. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, to go back to your conversion story. Uh, did you ever, was there ever a moment like where you just felt love of God? Uh, like this God's love come upon you and kind of overtake you. Um, yeah, I just felt like, um, um, sorry, I was distracted. Um, I guess like the, that moment, like recently with St. Blaze and, um, the first moment when I converted back was really to the most powerful moment or seeing my child and getting married was another, um, Part of it, just being in union with another person, as far as marriage is concerned, with that at the altar and being finally married to another person was really the kind of fulfillment of my life. It's like heaven almost. Mm-hmm. I think God looks at us like we would look at our own children, like how you looked yeah. at your child. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many children do you have? Um, we have two. Yeah, two. Um, 
so yeah that's uh i guess we still got enough time for another question i was uh so yeah um, thinking of stuff on the fly here uh, is there any questions um, that you wanted me to ask you today that i didn't ask you um i think you covered it all i actually i can't think of anything i'm like this is yeah. well done this was well done yeah, it's been really nice. yeah um i guess one question i could answer is um like going back to what sebastian said earlier about favorite novena he's going to devotions i guess the favorite devotion of mine now since i got healed especially is the rosary mm -hmm. it used to be frequent confession it was a great devotion helping people that way but can, I mean, the rosary right here. Yeah. I mean, you got yours? Yeah, in my pocket. I keep it there at all times. What's the centerpiece on your rosary? Uh, I don't know what you call it, but um, I don't know if that's Is that shows. a miraculous medal? Uh, is that what is it? Yeah, that's a miraculous medal. Yeah. That's a very good centerpiece. Mine is just, well, mine's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Right yeah. Um, I also have this this medal attached to this the Agile Warfare Confraternity medal because mm -hmm. I don't want to lose it, so I just have it attached. And this is the cross blessed by a bishop on a note from another. So when you get your rosary blessed, the blessing is either in the medal or the crucifix. So when you transplant plant rosary crucifixes like this one, um, yeah. the blessing transmits to that. So yeah, this is the cross of the bishop blessed i met a while back yeah. so uh, so yeah i just pulled out my pocket there uh, do you do something similar like just keep one on you at all times oh yeah I keep, I keep my weapon on me at all times i keep a concealed carry i can still carry they tell, ask me are you can still carry I'm like, yeah i carry my rosary <laughs> what pocket do you keep it in left I keep, or... in the, I keep it in the right one usually this is like this one right here uh i've heard from someone that said uh like as a soldier keeps his weapon on the left side, um, a Christian should keep their rosary in their left pocket. That's just that doesn't really uh, matter too much, I guess. But yeah, I guess it's a personal preference, you know. Yeah, it just kind of became a habit of mine to always put it in the left pocket. Yeah, I put it in my right pocket, I think, because I, I'm right-handed mostly. I use my right hand for a lot of stuff, so mm -hmm. I can grab it easier than I can on my left. I'm not as fumbling or dropping it as much as. My left hand is with my right, so I have it with my right. I can just grab it, bam, part of the rosary. Yeah. And yeah. it's a great fidget tool, too. It's the original fidget spinner. Exactly. Well, have, you ever, have you ever saw, like, a rosary ring? I think I, got I had one. It's funny. I'll mention that yeah. before we got to go. When I had my first rosary ring that my mom and dad gave me or my grandparents, whoever, I don't remember, um, I got mugged at one point, and they stole my rosary ring. I think that saved my life. That's a, that's a story in itself, but we have more time to tell it. But yeah, we're, we're T minus like fifty something seconds to the two hour mark. So we can go. We can you can tell it if you want. We can go. It's, it's nothing special. I just got mugged. And I got punched in the face, and like I, they stole my this guy with a gun that came up to me stole my he's like a rosary ring, and um, and he was like, "What are you doing here?" And it was God speaking through like a fugitive or something. Mm. Like it was like. I, gave him, I was like, I gave him the rosary ring. I was like, this is more important than you'll know, ever know. And he's like, what are you doing here? Mm. I was like, I don't need to be in the, what are you doing here? I'm like, good question. So. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a good way to end it. That's a... Yeah. Well, what are we doing here? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, I think it is good. It, oh, yeah. it changed my life.
just a, I don't know what to say. It's really amazing, I guess, that that happened to you and you have that interpretation of it. It was really strong. It was really something else. Yeah, just looking at um, everything has a good side to it. Just uh, mm -hmm. seeing that, I guess, just anything has a good yeah. side to it. But. And I'm quoting somebody, a friend of mine, when they say everything is grace. Mm -hmm. So looking at it that way, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I guess we'll wrap it up here um, on the two-hour mark exactly. Uh, so where can our listeners find you? Um, they can find me multiple places. Look in the description below that you said. Yeah, um, Every, I'll put everything in the description. But just, everything's there. We can talk more. about everything too. But um, there's um a Discord page they can find me on. They can find me on my Catholic YouTube page. They can find me on Facebook if they're interested. Just contact me through Discord. Um, there's ways to if you go through them things on Facebook and stuff. You can always email me at Catholics on Record at gmail.com if you want to contact me and talk and we can set up an interview or whatever just talk we'll talk about your story i mean there's different ways to contact me i'm all, I'm all over social media so yeah good to have you on uh you took the initiative to do it sunday uh after the podcast and i think it's turned out really well it worked out it worked out perfectly so yeah we'll, we'll um i'll be in touch i guess i'll read some of your articles tell you what i think okay and You'll be welcome on for a future podcast when we have them. I don't know where this podcast is going or what we'll be doing, but okay. All righty. Um, I wish I had like a outro video ready to go, but I'll just play a few clip, a uh, few clips, and roll the music, and that'll be good. Uh, here's a funny one. The viewers will see it. I don't know if you can see it. Just a guy tipping his hat. <laughs> I, don't, huh. I don't know where I, was, where I was going with that. But. No, you're having a good day. Like, All right. Keep it safe. Yep. Uh, you want to end, end with a prayer? We did that last time. I think that was a good thing to do. Oh, yeah, we can do that. Well, I'll just hold my rosary and pray so we can do that. We'll pray Hail Mary. All right. All right. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now in the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. All right. Have a good one, everyone. In the name of Father and Son of Holy Spirit. That's been how I got sidetracked, but uh, uh, all right. Have a good one, everyone. God see bless. We'll be back um, maybe Tuesday, but we'll see. We'll see how things go. All righty.